All right. My objective is to keep you guys interested. <laughs> because this really is important, helpful stuff. Uh, we looked at the five fool patterns, the three embedded heart problems. We're going to start digging into uh, each of the profiles a little bit more, a little deeper um, tonight. Bible reveals, as I said, we have sad hearts. We're selfish, arrogant, and damaging by nature. That's how we're born. Um, basically, I want what I want, I deserve what I want, and I'll hurt you to get it. That's basically the way we roll. So my goal in these talks, as I said, is to help us all learn how to reject folly and walk in wisdom. We, we have to keep choosing wisdom daily. Um, a little folly, Ecclesiastes says, just a little folly ruins. You know, a little drop of folly is like a fly in the ointment. And so you, you just have to be careful to stay away from it. And God is obviously gracious if you mess up, but wisdom not so much. We need, we need God's help for this uh, to, to really grow away from folly. He gives us a new heart to those who give their hearts and lives to him. So what is wisdom? Let's look at what wisdom is. There's a definition on the screen, I believe, maybe on your handout if you're using that. Wisdom is the ability to handle relationships, challenges, and responsibilities of life in a way that honors God and brings his blessing as we make the right kind of progress toward God's goals. As I said this morning, God is the number one factor in every circumstance, every situation, every decision that we're making. We should make him the number one factor. So that means that as we live life and we're handling uh, family relationships, friendships, dating relationships, school, work, whatever it is, we should aim to understand what God says about that arena of life and ask His Spirit to help us make the choices that would bring honor to Him. And if you're able to do that more and more in your life, you experience more and more of God's blessing. Um, so we're looking at folly so we can reject it and grow wise because wis wisdom is extremely valuable. Uh, it's, it's a treasure that we're trying to find and mine the treasure that is wisdom. And there's an exact starting point for it. Proverbs 9, 10 through 12 says, Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your years will be added to your life. <clears throat> if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. So wisdom begins with fear of the Lord. That's what we learn here, as the passage describes. Uh, that's the beginning. And what this means is that we can't afford to leave God out of our thinking as we're approaching life. To fear the Lord basically means we're not afraid of Him. You know, He's, he's a really good Father. We can approach him. But what it means to fear the Lord is to take him seriously 
and live within the boundaries that he set up for life. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Uh, actually, fear the Lord is the breakthrough point into the realm of wisdom. The picture you get in Scripture is that you're either in the realm of folly or the realm of wisdom. And you break into the realm of wisdom by fearing God through the fear of the Lord. Here, here's a picture of uh, some workers who've been tunneling through the mountain. And, you know, the breakthrough point is where it starts, the, the dirt starts giving away, and you can begin to see the light on the other side. Fear of the Lord is that, that breakthrough point to the other side, into the realm of wisdom. So when you choose to fear God, you break through into the realm of wisdom, and the Lord guides you. Last part of this passage compares wisdom to scoffing, and it's, it goes back to the fact that, you know, wisdom's not so gracious. If you're wise, that's good for you. You eat the fruit of your wisdom. If, if you scoff, um, you alone bear it. You begin to eat the fruit of your folly um, if you are a scoffer. So wisdom brings a, breast, a blessed life and folly not so much. So today I'm going to dive into the first of the five fools, one of my faves. <laughs> and I would imagine that many of us here in this room can identify with this one. Um, what's interesting is, I'm going, to, I'm going to show you a clip in a second from a movie that I know about because I have a daughter. And uh, I just want to say that before I show it, but... Um, vacationing is a very high value in our country. I mean, think about it. We love the breaks. And the average family of four spends $4,500 on vacations every year. The tourism, uh, travel tourism industry in the U.S. is $1.47 trillion. So we really value vacation. Think about it. If you ask any elementary school boy what his favorite part of school is, what's he going to say? Recess, right on. That's easy. That's their favorite part, man. We lo I, I love the breaks the most. Recess, Christmas vacation, summer break. Here's a video just for fun. That I just want to show how, how this is woven into our culture. Let's watch this. <laughs> hey, just a little fun. <laughs> Trying to, I told you, my objective, keep you interested. Oh, golly. Did you see the t-shirt on the guy, I majored in vacation? 
Hopefully you guys aren't majoring at vacation. <laughs> oh, okay, this is something I really had to get over in adulthood. I, I mean, I'm serious. I had to get over it. I took full advantage of every break I got and looked forward to it. My dad and I, uh, my dad one summer hired a friend and I to roof the house. And we would get up around nine, start working on the house. His mistake was he didn't give us a deadline. And so, you know, summer, Southern California, we'd get up, started getting hot about 9.30. So we'd start working at 9, 9.30, 10, and then it would get hot, we'd go to the beach. And so my dad finally came up with an incentive program and we finished pretty quickly <laughs> because of the incentive program. That's pathetic, isn't it? That's, I mean, honestly, a lot of you guys, you, you've worked hard. Your parents have done, done a good job training you. My parents did a good job training me. I was just spoiled rotten. That was my problem. Um, but there's, there's nothing wrong with enjoying vacation. I love vacation. But we do need rest, we do need breaks, and we need refreshment. The problem is majoring in it. Or when it's time to work, we need to get after work. We, we need only enough rest to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. We, we don't need more than that. Nothing beyond what we need. So with that backdrop, let's meet the easy way full. The casile. You've likely seen this fool in many sitcom characters and movies, but you didn't recognize them because you hadn't been properly introduced. <laughs> they're all over the place uh, because they're, they're real-life characters. The best TV shows and the best movies make connections between uh, real life and, and the characters that they show. And so you've seen these guys. You, you can see some of the main characteristics of this fool and George Costanza from Seinfeld. George is Jerry's best friend, and he's, you know, Jerry's the star of the show. George has somewhat of a lazy streak in him. He'll do anything to get out of working hard. I'd like you to watch this clip. <laughs> uh, there you go, classic Casile. Uh, he has several characteristics of the Casile fool, the easy way fool. Um, well, we'll get, to, we'll get to the characteristics in a moment. Anyway, this is the first of five Hebrew fools. Um, I think I said this, this afternoon, I think I said that uh, there are nine words for fool in the Hebrew. Uh, and it's interesting, in English... The word for fool means mentally deficient. In Hebrew, it means morally deficient. There's, that's a big difference. So we tend to think of a fool as a little off mentally. But in Hebrew, they're morally deficient. They don't factor God into their life. And they try to get what they want the, their own way. The key tool... This fool has a key tool. Every one of the fools has a key tool they use to get their way. And the key tool of this fool is lying. So 
This is especially when they get caught being lazy. They lie. Like George. You know, he's dece- he, wants to, he wants to sleep on the job, so he has the carpenter build the, the bed under his desk, which all the other Casils in the world are saying, that's brilliant. And then when he gets caught, he calls in a bomb threat. That's classic, classic. That's the way it works. Uh, there are some core characteristics of this fool from Scripture. The easy way fool is confident and hopeful in the wrong things. Proverbs 14.8, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly eveleth, that word we looked at for the, the selfishness, self-centeredness, uh, the folly of fools, kaseel, this is the word kaseel in Hebrew, the easy way fool, is deceiving. So that's, that's what George was doing. Yeah, it looks harmless, sort of. Uh, as you know, and it's funny on a sitcom, but boy, in real life, it will hurt you. It will hurt you. This pattern will hurt. Uh, the, the person uh, who has good sense thinks things through, they're prudent. But the Casillo keeps getting tripped up because they're so self centered, they think their way is right all the time. That's what the passage is saying. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern, to think through, but the folly of fools is they think they're right every time. They keep looking for a magic key. The magic key is going to unlock the easy life, but they never find it. If you're taking notes, you might want to write down magic key. That's a key aspect of this fool. They're, they're easy prey for infomercials. Infomercials. Merchals? Infomercials. Because... That product, they're selling this product that is just going to make it easy on you. Your life's going to get so much easier if you buy the product or latest time management formula that's going to take all the stress out of life. Nothing does that. They're also incredibly lazy. It's another characteristic. They're the lazy liar. It's another name for them. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.5 says the fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Instead of working hard, he is folding his hands. He brings ruin upon himself this way. His, his idle approach may seem harmless. It's funny on a sitcom, as I said, but it's actually aggressively eating away at his life. That's really what's happening. Warren Wiersbe says, uh, laziness is a slow, comfortable path towards self-destruction. You cannibalize yourself. You fold your hands. The ESV translates this passage. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. That's really really what's going on. Another characteristic of the the Casile is an excessive talker and liar. (laughs) Proverbs 12.23, A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of the fool's Casile blurts out folly. Speaking without thinking can be costly. Have you ever had to eat your words? Uh, or have you ever been tempted to lie or talk your way out of owning up to responsibility for failing to work hard? Now, this, this story makes me cringe, but I'm going to tell it on myself anyway. Um, 
I was, I worked for three years at Riverside Poly High School in Riverside, and I was a peer advisor is what my official title was, but they called me a narc, the students did. <laughs> I really had nothing to do with being a narc, but I was supposed to make sure they went to class. I broke up fights. I tried to get to know the students and relate to them and help them work through their problems. I was good at that part. I wasn't too good at the cop thing. But um, I was supposed to be, there were four of us, we each had a, a, an area of responsibility in the school, and there were the 600 classrooms, there was the parking lot, there was a couple other areas that were supposed to be. And this one day, I was, in, uh, I was in the parking lot talking to my other friend who worked with me, and I uh, was supposed to be in the 600s. And my boss came over the walkie-talkie and said, Bear nine, I was bear nine. I had a handle. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the city. I never had a handle before, but I was, I was bear nine. And he said, bear nine, what's your 20 or whatever? I think that means where are you, right? I think that's what it means. Anyway, I said, I'm in, I'm in the 600s. As soon as I said that, see, that's the classic Casile move. You're lying to cover laziness. I wasn't doing my job. As soon as I said that, though, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I knew what that meant. I was going to have to walk into my boss's office and potentially be fired because I just lied to him. So I, I worked it out a little bit in my mind and heart, and I got it up and I went in. And I said, Dale, the Lord can, you know, that I was lying. That was totally wrong. Will you forgive me? And I don't think he was really thrilled. I didn't get fired. He gave me grace. But it, 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 it definitely restored some credibility with me. But that's the classic Casile move. You're caught being lazy, and you lie about it. And so that's what these guys do. Lying to cover laziness is a characteristic uh, the folly of fools is just deceiving. That's what evils do. And finally, this fool is easily angered. Now, that's the weird thing about me. I, I have a temper. I'm, I'm very laid back as a rule. But I have, I have a temper I have to battle. And that's what these guys are. They're easily angered. They blow up to camouflage their laziness. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A man of quick temper acts foolishly, Casile. Every one of these, when, it, when, it's, when it's the pattern of this fool, when it's the profile of the fool, the, the word for fool in the passages is the word that relates to that, that fool. So a man of quick temper acts foolishly. That's, that's a Casile. And a man of evil devices is hated. If the Casile were an animal, they'd be a possum. This, this possum's not dead. This possum is playing dead. But when they're threatened, they become vicious. Check those teeth out. That's, that's the possum after it's been threatened. Casils will get angry when they're caught. They play dead. But when they're caught playing dead, they get really angry and the teeth come out. This is the way it goes. 
Now, as you can imagine, the impact of the easy way is continual disappointment. They're disappointed that they never find the life of ease. It's not out there. Um, those around them are frustrated because they can't count on them. And they learn not to count on them. E- eventually, the frustration can cost their job or important relationships if, if you take this pattern to the, to the extreme. I know I've, I've been frustrated by myself at times as I run into the results of a, of a slack approach. Um, this approach is a dead-end approach in life. But this fool keeps looking for the key to unlock the easy way. This approach is, is, is something that we fall into when we read the latest book and we hope that it helps us find that thing that's just going to unlock the, the magic for an area of life. Maybe it's a seminar, conversation with a powerful person, or... Maybe we have a person in the back of our mind and we're not really taking life seriously, but we have some connection to this powerful person and we don't take life seriously because we know we could call them if, if we needed them. And so we slack. We, we, we don't do the work that we need to do. Magic key after magic key comes and we never find the one that delivers the promise. Easy life never arrives because there is no magic key. Let's make a turn and look at how to move beyond the easy way. Wisdom shows a path, path that leads us away from foolish patterns. The wise make choices pleasing to God versus choices that only bring pain to themselves and the people around them. If you're tied up in this pattern, Scripture shows us the way out. Folly comes into focus as we compare it to the way of wisdom. Check out Proverbs 28, 25 through 26. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who conceal, fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. The word greedy here in this passage says, a greedy man stirs up strife. The word greedy in the Hebrew means living large or roomy. And the idea is this person is trying to get more than they deserve. They're trying to get more blessing, more ease than they deserve. There's a lot of space and room between their dreams and reality. That's the idea that you see in this passage. So this approach to life, the Casile approach, the easy way approach, is based on a false sense of entitlement. Uh, We think we deserve certain things, comfort and convenience, and when we don't get it, we get mad. We are ticked because we didn't get what we thought we deserved. The Bible tells us, obviously, this approach brings strife. It's what the passage is saying. A greedy man stirs up strife. But the wise trust God. It's a never-ending battle and frustration with people and circumstances when you're relating. When you are a casile or you're relating to one, you aim to be served and not serve. That's, That's very frustrating. 
Yet the wise resist this false sense of reality to place their confidence in God. So that's, that's the way out. We, we trust God, not the easy way. We trust Him. We do life His way. Um, trusting God allows us to become free of the easy way. So here are some specifics on how to move beyond the easy way strategy. First of all, trust God and work hard. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12 And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The way to combat laziness is just to work hard. Put it in gear. Get after it. When you're tempted to slack off, get moving. Throw away the magic key. Expect to work hard. Expect that to be the path to reaching goals. The two words used in contrast here in this passage are earnestness and sluggish. Uh, Earnestness conveys a speed and eagerness one takes to get the job done. You know, don't put it off as long as, you know, to the last minute. Don't procrastinate. Get it done now. Uh, This person does not delay to complete assignments. Sluggishness, however, laziness, a dullness of hearing. Have you ever been receiving instructions on how to do something and you haven't paid a bit of attention to them? Because you think, I'll just figure it out later, it'll be easy. That's foolish. That's not smart. That's sluggish. That's what it's talking about here. That person didn't get the job done because they never intended to. The last part of this verse shows God's promises for those who trust God and choose diligence. We imitate those who through faith and patience upbeat endurance, keep persevering, keep working hard, That's how you inherit the promises. The whole Old Testament battles, it's interesting to me that the promised land that God promised the people of Israel, they had to fight for it. That, you know, he didn't just hand it to them. He had a lot for them to learn as they battled, 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 battled. Work, work, work. That's how you inherit the promises of God today. You have to work for them. You have to battle. You have to fight. And you have to be diligent. That's how you experience the blessing that God wants us to give. Um, The lie of the enemy, there's a lie here, our enemy, and this is something we battle against. Uh, It's a major lie, is to believe that if I work hard in my current responsibilities, I'm going to miss the good life. I'm going to miss what I really want to do or God isn't going to notice. But enjoying our, our work is crucial. It's crucial to enjoying life. And this is from God. Ecclesiastes tells us that it's a blessing from God. It's a gift from God if you can enjoy your life and then you can enjoy your work. So I've been, over the last several years, I've just been asking God, I've been working hard. I work a lot. 
But I've asked God to help me enjoy that. Because what a privilege. What I do is a real privilege. I need to be willing to work hard and try to enjoy it and ask God for the gift of enjoying the work that I'm doing. And that's one key to overcoming the dread of work is to realize that God blesses my current work by keeping His promises and I am not going to miss out. You actually get the good things from God if you work hard. I mean, how many times have you sat down and you got to do your homework and you think, oh, you got to write a paper and you really don't, I don't want to do this. I'd rather go be playing ultimate frisbee or something, you know, or whatever it is when you're talking with the gals at the coffee shop. I don't know what it is for you, but you'd rather be doing anything but reading for this paper you've got to do. But the funny thing is, the blessing of God is built on your faithfulness today. The future unfolds based on your faithfulness right now. And so, that's, that's the lie we have to fight. The next thing to do is, so the first thing is uh, trust God and work hard. Next, ask God to help you clue into the consequences of your folly. Ask him to help you see how you're hurting yourself. Proverbs 19.3 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. In other words, man's folly ruins his life, but he's mad at God. It's his own fault. He's the one that messed up. Often we want to be free from the frustration without changing the path or the pattern that got us there. When, when life flows out of our foolish choices, we get so frustrated with the tangle web of problems we weave and we begin to rage against God when he, he, he wants to help, but he's not going to help us unless we turn to him and do it his way. And wisdom's not so gracious. God will forgive. God will pour out grace. He will help you change. But uh, he, he is also has built wisdom into the way life works so that we feel the consequences. And he always wants the consequences of our folly to drive us back to him. That's his goal. That's why wisdom isn't gracious. Because God made it to work that way so that as we run into the consequences of our folly, we go back and depend on Him. Really important to understand. So when we experience the consequences of our foolish strategies, this is God's classroom. This is His training ground. Um, we don't learn unless we cooperate with Him. Finally, moving beyond the easy way strategy comes as we speak the truth. So, lazy liar, get angry when you get caught being lazy. The antidote to that is to start telling the truth and speaking it. Therefore, Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put, a, put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Working hard doesn't just deal with the core issue. You must begin to speak the truth to counter the deceit, the lying, and the fraud. Uh, the easy way fool's mouth is constantly getting him into trouble. Uh, whether this is overstating what he has done or will do, over-promise, or just 
flat out lying when he dropped the ball. Putting away falsehood means I will put away the lies, the pretense, the masks. Anything that aims to portray my status and plans beyond what's really going on. I, I don't want to, ex exaggeration is a lie. So you just don't do it. You stay in the realm of reality on what's going on. Why do I do that? Why is that important? Well, one of the benefits for yourself if you're true in your statements is that people know me for who I really am. I ultimately hurt myself and others around me if I give people the wrong picture of where I'm at, either spiritually or you know, in schoolwork or whatever it is, if I'm trying to create an impression of where I am and I'm not there, I'm hurting myself. People don't really know me. They know a synthetic version of me, a plastic version of me. They can't really help me. I can't be helped if people don't really know what's going on in my heart and mind. And so it's really important to be truthful if they don't know me, then I, they can't help me. The community God wants to build with those of us who follow him has to be a team. We can't play games with each other. The picture in Scripture is, well, what's it say here? We are members one of another. We're a body. We're like body parts. We're, if, if, you know, one part of my body's lying to the other, it does, it's not going to work. It's not going to go well. Trust comes as our mouth and actions match. We can't hide who we are and expect to have meaningful relationships, helpful relationships. I'd like to wrap up with this. A couple of things. Um, knowing Christ is the way to overcome these patterns. If you'll walk with him, he will lead you out of folly toward wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. He himself is the wisdom of God. If you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, when you do, he's going to lead you away from these patterns. Following Christ is the way out of folly and into wisdom. And so I hope you'll consider it if you haven't yet. And if you are following Christ, staying in his word and taking a little bit at a time you know, you read the Bible in the morning, and then God speaks to you, and you try to apply it that day. What happens over time, if you'll do that daily, if you'll do that, Psalm 19.7 says, uh, the, uh, I'm drawing a blank on it. Anybody have that memorized? The law of the Lord. Hey, I got it. <laughs> you know, you just gotta you gotta squint. That, that's it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I'm amazed by people I know. They 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 haven't had a lot of education, but they've been in the Word of God. They've been in the Bible. They just read it and they do it. They read it and they do it. They read it and they do it. And over time, wisdom grows. They have this intuitive sense that God has trained them in. So I want to encourage you with that tonight. There's a way out.
of this pattern of folly. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. You are very, very gracious. And even building wisdom into the way life works is a reflection of your love for us. Because your hope is that our frustration and the consequences of our folly would drive us back into a relationship with you. And if we are prone to wander, like the song we just sang said, then you're trying to get our attention through the consequences we experience. Thank you so much for loving us that way. We ask for your help to apply what we've seen and heard tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.